Welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today is all about case studies, Qasem Aslam, real-world stuff, us applying the tactics that you've probably heard here many times of Perpetual Traffic for actual customer accounts and getting great results. And so we're going to be going through that here today and sort of a mini series of case studies. Kasa, I'm pretty excited about this mini series. How the hell are you, by the way? I'm good. And I, you know, I like to point out to folks that we actually do this stuff on yeah. literally a daily basis. It's not just sitting around pontificating. Like there's real work going on in the background. True. Very true. And so much so that feel that this podcast, which is a great way in which to tell people about this, we also started our own podcast, which is in iTunes and YouTube channel. And that show is called the Customer Acquisition Show, because that is what we do, Custom. We acquire customers for our clients and enhance their lifetime value. That's what we do. Traffic is one component of that. It's not just ad buying anymore. Mm. It's the whole kit and caboodle. It's the whole thing. It's after the click. It's all the different media platforms. It's looking at the offer. It's everything. And, Can I say something uh, that's going to get me in trouble, Ralph? Yeah. I think traffic is the least important part of all of it. <laughs> I do. I think it's, it's a good thing we named the show that way, right? Well, that's the problem is traffic, like the machines won. And I'm not saying running traffic is easy. That's not what I'm saying. But running traffic is all the other things that built around pressing the button and running the traffic. Mm. And so I think the things that you're saying as far as customer acquisition, it just tends to be more expansive. So I'm super excited to tune in, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And not to be lost in all this is all the stuff that you're doing over on your YouTube channel. If you want to stay cutting edge on Google ads, like I know our Google ads team watches your stuff. Everybody should watch everybody else's stuff. I think. Right. You, you can learn from everyone, but the show that you do with John Moran on a regular basis, I love John, you know, it's just, is tremendous. So check that out, the Solutions 8 YouTube channel, and also check out the Customer Acquisition Show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So before we get into our case study, Kasim, do you have a nugget for us? Well, to say that it's mine would be, some might call it lying. But I have a stolen nugget from a buddy of mine that's freaking brilliant. His name's Sunit. And Sunit is, I think he's the highest performing realtor and realty trainer in Northern California. Super brilliant guy, immense money. He does this thing. I, I heard him uh, on a talk, actually. There's a, a link to this video that I'll share in the show notes. And it's freaking brilliant. When he's trying to create content, he finds a competitor that's got a video on the exact same topic. And he takes that video and he puts it through like Otter or one of the transcription services. And then he takes the transcription and he puts it through Jarvis, which is, it's the AI copy mechanism that takes whatever it is that you say and just rewrites it better or differently. So you end up with the same content, but now it's, you're no longer plagiarizing. Mm -hmm. And now he has whatever you want to use it. He has a video script and he has a blog and he has snippets. And the other thing that he does that I think is really smart that I never would have considered because I, I'm not as adept with AI copies as I should be. He'll take a Jarvis script and he'll put that same Jarvis script back through Jarvis. 
Hmm. And it's yeah. the fun little things that you see when they translate it into Aramaic and out of Aramaic. Like it changes, but it still, it maintains yep. its essence. And he'll do that a few different times for like Reddit or Quora or, or whatever. And it's just the smartest, sneakiest way I've ever heard of anybody coming up with content. Because hmm. ideation is the hardest part of content creation. So you go steal somebody else's idea. Right. You transcribe it, and then you put it through Jarvis, and suddenly it's a perfectly unique idea that you can now take and run with. So I thought that was brilliant, and I've got a link to the video where he explains how he does that in greater detail, and I'll include that in the show notes. Literally, you could create, and just so we're clear, the, the tool used to be called Jarvis. It's now called Jasper.ai. Oh, you're right. Did yeah. they get sued by Marvel? Is that what happened I there? think they did, actually. I think yeah. that was the rumor. But yeah, it's a tremendous tool. It's a tool that we use as well. But literally, you could... With this, and I'm, uh, my guess is that somebody else aside from your friend has figured this out because it's so obvious in so many different ways. Because if you haven't checked out Jasper, like it is really freaking cool. We don't use it all it's the time, but we use how it. How good it is! It's terrifying how good it is. Yeah, and literally, like how you want, like you know, I want to create a blog post that sounds like Joe Rogan in Joe Rogan's voice, or sounds like Elon Musk, or whatever it happens. Like put it in, like it knows. And then it'll create, literally, you could create thousands of variations of the same content using Jasper just by and putting in slightly different education, right? You can be like, hey, spruce yep. this up, triple PhD, drop it down to seventh grade. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy cool. Super interesting. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll leave links to that in the show notes here for sure. We're going to be getting into our case study number one here. Stick around right after this quick break. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. All right, we are back. We're going to get into our case study here, Casa, which is part of our series of case studies, which I love case studies because it's the application of knowledge with, you see the trial and error all the way through it. And whenever I do a case study, whenever I do a presentation, I try and... You, show this to our team, I actually show the parts where we didn't succeed <laughs> as a part of the process all the way to when we do succeed. Now, depending mm -hmm. on how long the talk is, obviously, you can only go so far there. But it's like in this case study and some of the other ones, we'll actually show you like we tried this and we tried lots of other things. Obviously, in one case study, you can't go into all the different iterations of things that you do because as advertisers, like I told my team last week in our monthly call, it's like there is a lot of failure in our job, especially when it comes to coming up with creatives that works, copy that works, messaging that works. And at the end of the day, direct response and performance marketing is really hard. And yeah. turning people who have no idea who you are into lifelong customers is a real challenge. And there's a lot of failure that goes along with that. And the analogy was made that if you're a 300 hitter, which is basically the Hall of Fame in baseball, of course, you're a huge baseball fan being out in Arizona. Um, I know you're not. I mean, that's a really good percentage. So if you hit the ball, like if you're getting hit 30% of the time in advertising, a direct response advertising, you're actually doing really well. Dude, you're crushing life. What I wouldn't give, dear God. Yeah. It's good for you to like, to hear because I think there is an element of, oh, okay, Performance Max has taken that and made the percentages so much higher because it's really, it's not you that's doing all the work. It's the AI doing the work. Mm. But I tend to disagree with that. There's so much work degree. you have to do to let the AI do the work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like here, like I'm 
pressing one button and boom, right. all of a sudden I grow my business. It's just not that simple. Yeah. So Someday. I think there's a, one day it might be, but yeah. you still need to, Do you know Jason people. Fladlin, the webinar guy? Sure. Brilliant guy. He's one of the smartest people I've ever heard speak. He's a great speaker. Dude, he's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening to this, if you have the opportunity to ever go see Jason speak, go do it because it's a masterclass and just controlling the stage. He's awesome. He said something that I really respected though, that I thought took a lot of humility to say. He said that there's a, a paradox to success in that people think he's, because he's the webinar guy, when somebody hires him for a webinar, they just assume it's going to be a 5,000 X return because they've heard about like the $60 million launch he did for the crypto company or whatever. But he goes, that's one in a hundred. You don't see the other 99 webinars that either fell flat or did okay. And he's the webinar guy because he does do hundreds and thousands of webinars. And ultimately he will have the $60 million case study, but he also 99% of the time, it's somewhere between failed and mediocre. And when you accept that reality, it makes you a better marketer because now you're just here to bide your time. Because you know you're going to get those great big swings and hit it out of the park. If you do get a 300% row as well, that's good. I'll do that again. I'll take another one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to hear that from him because we would always sort of joke with Molly like when she was in the show. It's like her, her average is like 400 when it comes mm. to ads. Like she's just really good at ads. And our average is somewhere between 200 and 300, like as far as like using the baseball analogy. But even so, you're still missing six out of 10 times. Like that's right. otherworldly. Ted Williams, I think in whatever it was, 19 sometime was the last <laughs> one to actually hit 400 in a year, 404, I believe. And hasn't happened since, but still he was not getting a hit six out of 10 times, which is still a fair amount of failure. And I think his direct response advertising is really is no different. So embrace your failings because actually all you're really doing is just figuring out more ways that don't work that ultimately lead to the path that does work. So in this case study here, we'll talk about some of the things that we did, but this is a business where they help directors, VPs, executives, and seasoned pros land their dream job and get the money that they deserve in the marketplace. So this is a service-based business, but also has an element of coaching to it. They help people through a coaching program. So course creators, any digital marketers out there, information peddlers, God bless you. This is definitely a case study for you and a really great business here. And these guys really do great work. And the case studies that they have on their successes are just tremendous. This is absolutely the type of customer that we love working with. So what we were able to do for them, the big promise, the big part of this is that they want booked calls. And it's typically it's off the old Jason Fladlin webinar model. That's they have that, or they have a couple of front end offers, diversified way in which to pull in cold traffic, people who don't know who you are, and ultimately indoctrinate them into your brand and ultimately convert. So their big goal is to get these booked calls for their sales team and be able to get those booked calls at a lower price. And then it's a result of that increased revenue. So that's their whole business model. So we were able to increase their book calls in like a three-month span. This is really short. 230%, their cost per book call dropped by half, and their revenue doubled. They're now spending about $100,000 a month 
on advertising through us and the business just continues to scale and grow. And basically what we did is we did a bunch of different changes. It wasn't like one thing that really led to it. It was a lot of small changes and a lot of things that didn't work that ultimately came together to really continue to, to scale and grow this business. All We did all this in, in a matter of three months and now we'll probably be able to come back on in another three months here and actually talk about how we were, we were able to scale it even more. So what they wanted is they wanted the goal was at least 20 book calls per week at a cost per book call of less than 200 bucks. So when they came to us, they had about a, a cost per book call about 300. And at one point, they had a $100 cost per book call, but which really works for their business. Like that's the ultimate because their sales team is actually really good. They warm up the prospect. But three, four hundred dollars per book call is just absolutely not working for them from a customer acquisition standpoint. They didn't have much educational content, we noticed. And a lot of the stuff in the inside the ad account when we took over was kind of all over the place. There wasn't really a, a real methodology to how they structured things. So we implemented what we refer to as the traffic harmonizer, which is in essence separating out levels of traffic. A lot of people call this the e-com ad amplifier, the ad amplifier, where we basically we separate out level level one through level five traffic. And in this case, having different messaging based upon where the prospect is in their customer acquisition path or their customer journey, more commonly referred to in digital marketer. So that was one of the things that we could see right off the bat that needed some help. So we installed this traffic harmonizer system and started to separate out the levels of traffic with different messaging based upon where they are. So for example, there was a webinar registration, there's a lead magnet, somebody who maybe clicks on the webinar page, but doesn't sign up. Well, that's what we refer to as level two traffic. So we would then have retargeting ads that would go back to that group and then prompt them to make sure that they do register or maybe hit them with a different lead magnet or something on the front end. Once somebody attended the webinar, we actually went through it, that we refer to that as level three traffic. That level three traffic now has a very different message, potentially. I've now watched part of the webinar. Maybe now it's time for us to hit them with some ads that remind them of what they watched on the webinar and also prompt them to book a call if they hadn't booked a call. And then level four is booking a call. So at the end of that webinar, there was a call to action to click a button and then go over and book a call with their sales team there's a couple of different variations of that with a form and an application and a bunch of other sorts of things. So that was what we refer to as level four traffic, which it's almost like they're adding stuff to the cart and they haven't quite bought yet, but it's a very strong buying signal. Today I was on my Amazon app shopping for, I don't know, my son's birthday is coming up and obviously Christmas. And I just added a bunch of stuff to cart. And I don't think I actually went through with the transaction. So it's sitting there on my phone, but I am like so close to buying it. I'm, of course, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> But the point is, is think about that. Where in your pathway of your customer acquisition path are people right on the brink of buying? And if you're e-commerce, it's typically it's add to cart. Here it's booked call, maybe didn't attend the book call or went to the book call page and then decided otherwise and decided not to book that call. At every level of traffic, we installed ways in which to retarget with very specific messaging uh, on where they are in that journey. So for example, if somebody went to the book call page and didn't book a call, we would probably show that group an ad that says, 
hey, now's your chance to book a call, some kind of call to action, some kind of level of urgency. There's only three days left in our sale, something like that. Or, hey, you added this to cart. We're still around. If you're an e-commerce company, making your messaging really equal like where they are in the journey. And that's sort of the whole premise behind the traffic harmonizer. So each level has its own separate messaging. And what we find, Kassam, is when we take over an ad account, usually there's one ad with one message to all levels of traffic. And although there is an AI algorithm and this dynamic creative, which is now allowing us to be able to do this a little bit differently, that's typically an easy win for us when we come into an ad account by separating out the levels of traffic based upon where they are in the journey. And every business is different. So there's going to be different messaging, but there's templates that we use for each level that we've known to work. And based upon the fact that we spend over $100 million a year on paid social, we kind of know what works at each level because human psychology really isn't all that different. We just have to tailor it to the specific service or product or whatever it happens to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I wanted to, to insert one thing that we found with remarketing specifically. The most powerful message we've seen across almost every industry is a testimonial video, case study video yeah. from the end customer. And I actually have no doubt that you guys are using that, but I just want to say that to our listeners. If you're not sure what to do from a remarketing perspective, if somebody has abandoned cart or they jump ship or they haven't booked their call, go put some testimonial videos in front of them. And they're easy to get, by the way. Don't make it a great big production value thing. Um, just go hook a Zoom call with a couple of happy clients and ask them what about this worked for you. And Ralph, I see that you've you've already got that in place, it looks like. So I'm probably <laughs> jumping the gun. Forgive me. It's worth mentioning, and it's worth mentioning probably a few times through this case study, is that we absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the things in putting together a presentation that uh, we'll be doing early next year is one of the big things that we're really seeing now is creator content just absolutely being king. And a part of that is you get your creators to be your customers. Mm. Like everyone talks about the creator economy. Yes, you can go out and do that. We'll have a case study on a specifically creator creative that we used in order to really just hit the ball out of the park with using the baseball analogy again with a, with a money sending app. We'll be talking about that in future episodes, but it was the creator content that got them over the, to the next step to double, triple, quadruple their business. The creative in this case study actually has what we refer to as the testimonial mashup, which is just the juiciest, best parts of some of their customers. And we'll actually talking about how great the service is and how it's changed their lives. So we'll get to that in the case study here, but I completely agree. And I think testimonials, like what are your thoughts on testimonial videos to top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel? Do you guys have any preference as to how you use them or you use them everywhere or only in specific cases? What's your sense? I use them mostly for the middle of the funnel. What I have noticed is testimonial videos at the top of the funnel aren't great for customers that aren't problem aware. So some businesses, the customer at the top of the funnel is problem aware. And that's usually if you've got a really linear offering that everybody knows about. I'm shopping for a car, for instance. You're more or less problem aware. I can put a testimonial video in front of you. If it's a SaaS product, let's say you've got a customer. Uh, I've actually got a buddy who's building this right now. He's building a, a software solution that helps companies onboard their clients with greater ease. And for that, you as a business owner probably don't know that's a problem for you. So if I start putting testimonials in front of you, it's just not going to land the same way. Right. 
So I like them. If they're problem aware, they're great. But if they're not problem aware, then put them at the middle of the funnel because now I've learned a little bit and now I'm skeptical. And the other thing that we've noticed, we had Ian Garlic, who's been on this show. We paid Ian to put together a bunch of testimonial videos for us. Dude, I've never had higher performing media ever. They're amazing. And to a point that Ian's made to me, like I didn't fly videographers out to my clients' offices. Ian's team hopped on Zoom with them and just did Zoom interviews. The backgrounds aren't professional. The video from the customers, I mean, the video is great because Ian's team did it. It's a professionally produced video. But the media, the production value is raw. And because it's raw, I think it performs better. You can tell it's a real, it's a real person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was hoping you were going to say that. We actually, in this case, we do use a testimonial mashup on top of Funnel, which makes it interesting. But it's a little bit different how it's mm. done. Usually, testimonials work great. We have another type of video, and this is the testimonial mashup, which we'll talk about here today. But the love sandwich video, which is basically pitch sandwich in a couple of quick testimonials and then product pitch I'll put in some more testimonials product pitch at the end call to action that's mm. that video formula and what we found is that does work really well for your product aware your solution aware audience but it also surprisingly works well at top of funnel mm. so we never limit ourselves we typically will say yes use testimonials on level two through level four traffic, typically level two and level three, which is level one is they don't know who you are yet. This is cold traffic. This is your lookalike audiences. This is your targeted audiences. You put in your exclusions and people who have visited your website and customers and leads and everything else that goes along with that. Level two is people who have engaged with you in a way, sh shape, or form. So maybe they've watched a percentage of your video. Maybe they've clicked one of your ads and landed on your landing page. They've gone no further. Level two is usually where we'll insert a testimonial video in most cases, because now they are somewhat our solution aware. They are down that funnel so that we can now talk about that we've piqued their interest through some other type of media, but usually it's that level two traffic is where we insert the love sandwich videos, the testimonial mashup videos. In this case, I think we just stumbled on it we started to use it <laughs> on level one, we're like, wow, this is actually really working. So hard and fast rules in advertising, I think are dangerous sometimes, but I think having and guardrails as to where you use what I think is a smart thing. But yeah, I mean, there's formulas, like we have ad templates for basically all levels of traffic. And like I mentioned, somebody who adds to cart, but abandons cart, we have five or six different just ways in which we'll talk to them. Did you forget it? We're still here. Did you forget something? And it'll show the picture of it. It'll be a dynamic product ad if it's an e-commerce store. So there's certain templates that will work deeper in the funnel and then higher up in the funnel as well. And we just sort of rely on that experience because we are in so many different industries just like you guys are. And customers come to us for customer acquisition and lifetime value at the end of the day. We tend to sort of rely on those templates. But if you don't have testimonials from your customers, I think you are missing out. Really. Radio might be the most important media you can have. Yeah. Because it works for everything. You know, yeah, it goes in your paid media, but also goes in your website. It goes across all your social channels. It should be inside of your email nurture. Your sales team should have it for follow-up calls. Mm -hmm. Put them in your email signature. Like, that's the it's where the rubber meets the road it's oh hey by the way my product or service really works and here's a real human telling you about it and it's not me telling you how great i am it's someone else telling 
you yeah. how great I am. And it doesn't have to be scripted. Like it, it, it doesn't have to be professional. It doesn't have to be post-production wise, anything all that great. If you go to our website right now, I guarantee you, you will be retargeted with one of our testimonial ads. <laughs> like we use it. We have five of them. And we did it through a service called getbravo.com where you actually email them or text them and it actually clicks open. And then it's super simple. You can give them a script of what to say, just bullets. It's a great service, getbravo.com. We'll leave links in the show notes for that. And we'll leave a link to in the show notes for Ian's company as well. Yeah, okay, he's a good dude. The name of his company, by the way, Kasim? Video Case Story. Video Case Story. I think it's videocasestory.com, if memory serves. Yeah, like I said, we'll leave links in the show notes. We just like them. But this is powerful. This is really powerful. If you don't have a testimonial, definitely check out both of those resources there. So yeah, so that's that's this week's case study. We refer to the framework that we used in this whole thing as the customer customer acquisition amplification, or it's it's a template that we use, which layers in the creative lab, which we talked about, the deep dive research, traffic harmonizer, as well as conversion architecture. Maybe we'll leave a link in the show notes to, to get people to download that graphic custom because it's really, it's a framework that our entire team uses as guideposts to which part of it will deploy with different customers. And it has some tips and tricks in there that remind people of a lot of the marketing basics that we covered in today's case study. Yeah. And dude, I don't know that I'd call them basics, to be honest with you. I think you dropped some pretty advanced pearls here. So this was awesome. Yeah. So we will leave links in the show notes as well. And if you want to grab a copy of the customer acquisition amplification super system, we will leave links for that as well. We talked about the importance of testimonial videos and how that is so important for any business, whether you're an e-commerce service, you're selling digital products, get testimonials from your customers. And there's a certain way that you should use them. We'll be getting into that in today's case study. So one of the first things we did Awesome. And I think in any case study, you need to go to the basics. And for mm. us, like the basics of the basics, for you as a Google Ads agency, what do you set up first before you do anything and make sure that it's working? What's the most important thing in your mind? Conversion tracking. 100%. No I question. knew you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're not tracking the most important events, the conversion events that matter most to you, like your ads really won't work. The algorithm won't know what to do. Yep. And whether it's Facebook or Google or any platform, like that is the key to it all. So for us, they were actually not, they were not tracking their booked call conversion event. We're like, why are you not doing that? That was actually one of the things. So they were optimizing for leads, but not optimizing for booked calls because they didn't even have that conversion event set up. So what you ideally want, especially when you're talking paid social, Facebook, meta platforms, is that you want to be able to optimize for the event that really matters the most to you. In this particular case, it's booked calls. However, a booked call is an event, their goal is... 20 booked calls per week. So even in the best case scenario, that's all their sales team apparently can handle, maybe 30. But in an ideal world, when you're trying to optimize your ads for Facebook and the meta platforms specifically, you want to have at least 50 conversions per week per ad set. And if you're running multiple ad sets, just 
booked call conversions, there's not enough of them to optimize your ads. Does so that make sense? That's an interesting data point you just gave us, Ralph, because if it's 50 conversions per week per ad set, mm-hmm. and you said that these guys want $100 cost per lead, $100 aiming at per 100 to 200 call. cost per lead, yep. or per book call, excuse me, call. then they have to spend 10 grand a week. They would, but per ad set. Yeah, exactly. But that would be probably too much. That their sales team would be overwhelmed. I don't know as if they'd be able to fulfill capacity wise. Interesting. What a great conversation that is to have with a client though. It's like, oh, here's what I want. And then you get to say, here's what the algorithm requires, and we're gonna back into this from a business perspective. Correct. Correct. So this is one of the challenges is that when you've well, when we looked at this ad account, we said, okay, what they really want is they want a book call. What they really want is sales, of course, right. at the end of the day. But the precursor to a sale and based upon their closing rates is a booked call. But if their goal is 20 per week, it's not going to be enough for us to optimize for it in our advertising, especially for Meta. So that we just didn't have enough to go around. Plus, they weren't even tracking it anyway. So it wasn't really even an option. There was no history of any of the campaigns being optimized for a booked call because the tracking wasn't even working for the booked call. So Mm. what we did is we ended up optimizing for leads, which is the precursor of the booked call. So remember, this is a webinar funnel. This is a lead magnet funnel that then prompts them to a booked call after they consume the content in the webinar, after they consume the content in the lead magnet. So algorithm-wise, we're, we're optimizing for leads here. And maybe at some point when they scale up and are larger, maybe their goal is 100, 200 booked calls per week, we could probably, with increased ad spend, like you're saying, and increased budgets, we could optimize for a booked call, but not at this point because they were not ready. But they are. Dude, that's there. wicked ninja. So this is the pro tip that I'm pulling out of this. If you're not going to reach that 50 conversion threshold, 50 conversions a week, move earlier in the funnel. Yeah, you have to. Where you will. You have to. That's genius. I, I think it's I think it's true in uh, in most platforms. And I know for TikTok, for example, you start your ads optimizing for up funnel events, not the ultimate event because you want to train the algorithm and that used to be the case with facebook too it's not the case anymore i think facebook's Mm. algorithm has gotten so smart that yes as long as you're getting those 50 conversions per week in per ad set the algorithm is going to come out or the ad set itself is going to come out of learning phase and it'll start to self-actualize and understand exactly where your target audience is inside your cold traffic audiences but up funnel events training Facebook to ultimately, or the meta platforms, up funnel events, like sometimes you just have to do it just because you don't have the actual event that you really want to optimize for because you just don't have the budget for it. So if you're a, if you're an e-commerce company, typically you will optimize for the purchase event, right? But if you have a low ad spend and maybe a high CPA on your product, you might consider optimizing for higher funnel events like i know people that optimize for add to cart or page view or view content that's not an ideal scenario you really need to be able to get to a point where you're really optimizing for the thing that you really really want which is at the end of the day a purchase if you're an e-commerce company does that make sense 
No, that makes perfect sense. You actually, you gave me, you reminded me of another nugget that I'm going to save for the next episode. So for our listeners, tune in next time All right. because we've got some Wicked Ninja shit tricks coming for you. I think the next one is going to be a case study by you. So there you go. Oh, yeah. All right. So that so we fixed that. And so we're optimizing for our lead event. At some point, maybe we will optimize for the booked call event. Then the next thing we did is we just did a lot of deep dive research here. So this is the second thing that we do. So we very methodical as far as what our approach is. Make sure tracking is in place first, number one. Number two, then it's, okay, let's go deep on this business. And so what we typically will do is we'll do what we refer to as creative lab, deep dive research, CLDDR is what everybody refers to it inside tier 11. But if you don't go as deep as we do, that is okay. But if you can go maybe half as deep, you're well ahead of the competition. And all mm-hmm. this really is us understanding through 16 different potential channels, everything about the avatar, the ideal customer, the business itself. And so we will go and look at surveys. We'll look at reviews. We'll dissect landing pages, sales pages. We'll go to the competition. We'll go to Amazon and look at, obviously, the product itself, download the product reviews, go to the competition, download product reviews, create this massive document that we talk that we refer to as the Creative Lab Deep Dive Research. And then we aggregate all this information through a tool called the Lend Tool, which you can use inside Google Sheets, which mm-hmm. it pulls out individual words, the ones that are actually the most common. It's almost like a, a word cloud. And so we start to create a general idea of our messaging and who our avatar is. And through that deep dive research, like we go super deep here. You don't have to go as deep, but if you do no research, you're really shortchanging your entire marketing. You you need to go deep and understand, oh, I think I'll just target females that are between the ages of 34 and 55 that drive a minivan and like Pilates. That's not enough. That's demographic research. We're talking about like psychographic research, how they feel, how they think, what is in their head, what is the conversation that's going on in their head. And this is what deep dive research is a precursor to the messaging and ultimately the ad copy, the creative, the images, the videos, everything that goes along with it comes out of that process. Does that make sense, Gossam? That makes perfect sense. I to, to my agency owners out there, be real careful about just interviewing your client and taking what they say wholesale. Because mm. I generally speaking, clients don't know their customers. And it's I, I think that's a ubiquitous truth. The reason they think people are buying is not the reason people are buying. And so doing what Ralph was talking about, looking at test dude, that's I remember when you told me that I took that away. I thought that was so smart. When you go look at their testimonials or their reviews. Mm. And you pull the language out of the reviews because we, I started doing that not as a system. I don't, I'm not nearly as well as process driven as you are in this particular context. But when I have a new prospect coming in and I look at the reviews and you really start to see what moves the needle, that's not always and generally isn't at all what my customer says moves the needle. So true. I mean, you want to do the interviews with the customer as part of this. Like sure. I said, but that's, not, that's where most agencies stop. They're like, sure. oh, okay, this is what you told me. I believe you. Wholesale. Yeah. Let's talk to you about your business. Who's your avatar? Right. Like they, they will have great insights in most cases, I would say. And those are insights that we absolutely take into consideration. Like part of those 16 blocks, 16 things that we look at. One of them is like founder interviews, company interviews, 
on our onboarding calls where we go through all that, but we don't rely on that exclusively. That's just one set of data points. And oftentimes we'll come back after we do the deep dive research and do what we call, you know, our creative team calls it the dog and pony show, but it's actually more than that. It's the presentation of their findings. It takes about a week or two. Like this deep dive research stuff, like we have staff members that just go whole hog into it and come out the other end out of the bunker with, all right, here's what I found out. And sometimes Mm. it doesn't match what the business owner thinks. And there's a little bit of conflict and tension that's created around it, which that's our job is to uncover things that they didn't know before, which I wouldn't say tension. It's a healthy tension. But the point is that's part of our role. And it's not all about some nifty tip or trick anymore. Like it's the same thing as like we've talked about many times. Your messaging matters more so now than ever. And deep dive research fuels that messaging. And that's why we take such a long period of time to do it. If you get anything from this segment, like do more research on your avatar, your product, what your customers are saying about you, and use that potentially as messaging that turns into ad copy and creative in your ads themselves. So what we found here is we, this is what we found with this group is that remember we're trying to get corporate executives to find their dream jobs. So what we really found is that there are word cloud really focused in on like negative thinking and the interview process and the constant rejection and what that leads to. It's, it's like, I have, and then it creates a sense of pessimism and a loss of confidence. And then they go into the interview and then they're bogged down with all these sort of negative thoughts that negatively impact every interview. These are the fears of the people and the problems. This is the conversation that's going on inside their head that we found through this research. So when they actually do get a shot at the job interview, they feel unprepared or maybe overwhelmed by this whole process, which results in a loss of hope. This is not 34 to 55 years old, drives a minivan, likes Pilates, lives in Dallas, Texas research. Mm -hmm. This is psychographic. This is deep. And you'll see how this manifests itself in our videos and our ad copy. And we use this for our media buying team, our creative team, our conversion architecture team, which is after the click and how we advise them on their offer and their landing page and their messaging and all that stuff. It all comes from this deep dive research. I love that. You know, this reminds me of is it like you're Meryl Streep or Daniel Day-Lewis and you're doing a character study. It's like, you're going to play this person in a movie. You have to know them that well. Absolutely. And I think the best actors do a tremendous amount of preparation, right? Yeah. It's empathy, man. You just got to get to know people. And Daniel Day-Lewis, I think, is just... And yeah, DDL, he's a nut job. He like, he'll go and live in a cave or shoot himself in a space and be an astronaut for 18 months before he plays an astronaut. Right. Just, you don't need to shoot yourself into space necessarily, but that's the extreme to the ex- very, very high level people. If you can take right. anything away from this conversation, do more than you're doing right now in the deep dive research because you're probably not doing enough. And that right. might be the reason why your ads aren't converting. Because it's not resonating with the market because you're missing that, how they feel, how they think. The conversation going on inside their head is absolutely essential. Um, And I love to brag about our team, but I think our team does an extraordinarily great job at this. So you'll see how this all impacted things. So after we did that deep dive research, then we install what's referred to as the creative lab, which is, all right, we take the deep dive research and now we take that messaging and then start crafting messages about it. 
And at each level of traffic, that message was slightly different. Okay, could, mm. Depending on where they're at in the customer journey, we call it the customer acquisition path, all being unaware, level one, maybe problem aware, level one traffic, all the way through to becoming a customer. Like Each level of their traffic was fed by this deep dive research. The messaging from the deep dive research all revolved around some of the same themes. And depending on where they were in the journey, let's say, I registered for the webinar, but I didn't show up to the webinar. Maybe I clicked on the video ad, didn't go any further. Let's say I got to the webinar, but then I clicked on the book call, but then I didn't book a call. Let's say I went to the webinar, clicked on the book call, booked a call, but didn't show up. Like all of those five different people, like there is different messaging for each one of those levels. And if you understand what the conversation that's going on inside their head, you can then create ads for each individual level based upon your research and how they're thinking and feeling, if that makes sense. Mm, that does make sense. So this level of traffic was the one that we really focused in on because the top of funnel, I don't know if this is the case with Solutions 8, but if you look at a, a tier 11 ad account, 80% of the ad spend is on level one traffic, which is basically top of funnel traffic. The retargeting, the stuff that happens level two all the way through to level five, is anywhere from 20 to 25% total. Your add to cart, your level four, like I'm just about ready to buy is maybe 1% of your traffic, probably the highest return on ad spend, of course. But we tend to focus in on that level one traffic more so than I think any other, because that's the one where that's why customers hire us is to acquire new customers and enhance their long-term value. So the ads that actually came out spoke to all this with a pitch. So it talked about the application process. The ads talked about all these sort of individual pain points. They talked to, they might have the skills, but their negative thinking and their desperation impact the interview. Every unsuccessful interview adds to the cycle of lost hope. Like when they get, when you get a shot in the interview, do you feel like you know, you're unprepared and you're overwhelmed by the rigorous process. And you're probably not even thinking that you can ever really land your dream job. Well, in fact, you can. And here's what, here's our solution. Here's our three-step program. Here's our lead magnet. Here's our webinar. Here's our, so you're using that. And then you're obviously you're empathizing. It's empathy, like what you said before, you're empathizing with your target market, but then you're slowly in your copy, or this could be in your video if you wanted to as well. You're then transitioning them into, okay, there's no reason to have a loss of hope. There is actually a proven five-step plan that will help you nail that interview. And let me show you what it is. Click here and get it. And those are usually the types of ads that work the best for us. So empathy up front, understanding the problem, and then there's a transition at the end. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. This so is what, brilliant, man. So with those ads, and we really haven't talked about, aside from just separating out level one through level five traffic, I believe in this case, we actually combined our level three and level four traffic together because the audiences weren't huge. But oftentimes, we'll separate each individual level of traffic into its own campaign. In a lot of cases now, we'll just do level one traffic, and then we'll do a level two through five campaign. So we try and consolidate the learning just a bit. But aside from that for campaign management, most of the success of this was messaging as well as 
some alterations to their funnel, which we'll get into in just a second here. So we started running those ads. We separated out the levels of traffic through the traffic harmonizer. And then we got that messaging in there that we just discussed. Okay, we're starting to get some momentum here. So what happened was that we saw some improvement. The webinar lead magnet opt-in rates were about the same. The weekly booked calls started to really shoot up, increased like 400% just based upon this like two changes that we've made, plus the tracking, I guess that's three changes. But the CPA was still way too high. Still, it was like 400 bucks. So we're like, oh, damn. All right. So we looked at our data. And what we realized is that it wasn't necessarily the ads. We had figured out that the ads and the traffic was doing its job. It was the offer itself. Is there a way for us to look at the offer and look at it from maybe a different angle? And unless you're Jason Fladling, I mean, there's it's hard to pull off a really good webinar. <laughs> it really mm. is. It's hard to get people to show up. It's hard to get people to register. Everyone has them. It might have, in our case, maybe it had run its course as this type of traffic funnel where you can learn the five key principles to land your dream job masterclass. Maybe that had run its course. Was it a live webinar or was it one of those on-demands? It was on-demand. Okay. It was on-demand. So the the point that I'm trying to make here is that they had a couple of different sales funnels. Like I said, they actually had a five little known strategies that'll work for nailing that first interview. They also had this other webinar. This is all front-facing gated content. And so we said, goal really isn't to get them into the webinar. The goal is to get a booked call. So why don't we ungate all this content and then just promote them to book a call based upon if they're qualified. You have to qualify them first. So this was sort of our thinking. So our conversion architecture division kind of went to work on this and looked at their funnel. And we're basically putting up a wall between the thing that we really want, which is the booked call, because we're asking them to put their name and email either into the lead magnet or into the webinar registration, which is the normal way of doing things, right? This is what people do. This is how we're all taught as digital marketers. Oh, create, build a list, get their name and their email, and then you can retarget to them. If building the list, getting that information is defeating the purpose, the real purpose of your business, then you might want to consider a different way in which to approach that, that cold traffic. Does that make mm. sense? So what we did is we ungated that content really very simply. So instead of a webinar, we put all the content that was on the webinar plus the stuff that was in their lead magnet, and we put it all on a sales page, a long form sales page with a video that just explained it all, ungated to the world. So we use the same ads, get them right to this page, and then right in the middle, there was a booked call. There was a prompt for a booked call or a schedule a breakthrough session. And with all the trust signals that are on there and everything else. So it was basically, it was a sales page, but it was a content rich sales page. Now, when you ungate content, you run the risk of potentially getting the wrong customer. So we immediately got a lot of booked calls, but some of them weren't qualified. So we needed to alter our system. So we changed up the funnel itself by putting the scheduler first, have them schedule a date. And then after they schedule a date, then we put in a short form application. 
So mm. this is something that you really do want to test. Do you put the application first and then the book a call after? We've done this thousands of times. Sometimes it works that way. Sometimes it works the other way. In this particular case, getting a date, taking that first step of commitment, and then finishing after you've chosen the date by filling in a short application, we found trimmed down their booked calls and upped the quality. Because remember, booked call, more of those booked calls ultimately lead to sales, correct? So we needed another sort of step in here because we were ungating the front end content without having to ask for their name and email. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Well, and I think that the, I, I like that you're having this follow-up post-conversion because it's one of the things that a lot of agencies don't do is concern themselves with lead quality. You know, it's like, oh, we booked the call, done. My job is over. And this is part of the funnel architecture that I think is so important. We did something similar for Montessori schools. I've got like 50 Montessori schools that we run ads for because I'm obsessed with Montessori education. And one of the things that we started to do is after somebody schedules a tour of a Montessori school, we send them a follow-up email post-tour schedule that includes the tuition rates. And what started to happen is people would schedule a tour, get the email, cancel the tour. And the school owners would say, wait a minute, we don't want to do that. We don't want them to cancel. And I'm like, yeah, you do. If the price is the only reason they're canceling, there's not much you're going to do in this tour that's going to talk them into going to school, in my very soft opinion. And that saved you time, effort, energy, et cetera. And I like these two-step processes because, man, you can inundate a sales team. I'd actually rather have less calls and more sales because some things are scalable, some things aren't, and your time, your calendar isn't. So I think this is really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely what you're saying is true. Like not all leads are created equal. And Mm. just because you're getting lots of leads doesn't necessarily mean you're getting closer to your big goal. Well, leads is just one step along the way. Ultimately, it's tuition dollars in the bank that you want for the right type of individual in the Montessori school example here. So you want to be able to attract the right person, but sometimes it's repelling the wrong people is even more so the key. And I think by putting the price in your email, that repelled the wrong type of person who was really just doing price shopping. So in this case, this application that we used a couple of different forms of, we had a long form one and then the short form one, and then we measured each and looked, all right, where are they getting, are they getting more scheduled calls, more booked calls with the shorter form than they were with the longer form, but is the quality just as good, if not better? And what we found is that the quality was about equal, but the conversion rate was much higher on the shorter form in this particular Mm. step. So this is four steps past the ads, guys. Like we're not even talking about ads anymore. We're into the offer itself and optimizing the offer, which as a business owner, it's not just about pouring traffic onto a bad offer. It's about looking at your offer itself and how can you enhance it to get you closer to your ultimate goal, which in this case was sales, booked calls, qualified people on the book call, and ultimately the sales team closing those booked calls. Were they tracking show rates just out of curiosity? Yeah. So that's the big thing is once you actually book and schedule a call, who shows up? Right. So what we found, we inserted this sort of at the last minute is to, once they do fill out the application, they're then sent a text message with an outbound salesperson who basically gets on a quick triage call 
for them and preps them. There's a little bit of an SMS sequence that went along with this as well. And then that person then gets on a quick call, 10, 15 minutes, and preps them for their actual call. So we call it a triage call. And what we found is that when we inserted that step into this process, that increased the show rates for the booked call, which mm. maybe that day, might be next week, all that. So there's all these steps that you really have to look at. And I think as a business owner, go through your entire sales funnel. Look at it logically. Like Where are people dropping off? Where could you potentially increase your ultimately your sales by increasing the conversion rate for the booked call or for maybe it's your add to cart. Maybe you have 99% of people who come to your cart page and bail out. Maybe you should look at that page. Should you add some testimonials? Should you add some trust factors? Should you start taking PayPal? You know, should you do anything on that page? So look at where the weak points in your sales funnel is or your customer acquisition path in essence and work on those things it might not be the quality of traffic that your agency is getting you it might be your offer itself it, and that's what we tend to do is we do we have an entire division that does that because we realize it's so important for the effectiveness of the ads if that makes sense mm -hmm. absolutely so last but not least we then had the final thank you page after they filled in the application we added in what we call a content-rich thank you page. And this content-rich thank you page was all in an effort to make sure that they continue the process, show up for the booked call, is excited about the prospect of talking to someone from their team. And so we put some trust factors there. The owner of the business actually has an, a video where he talks about how excited they are and what's in store for them. Then there's some other pieces of material in there, like they have a lot of stuff that's a Newsweek, Fast Company, Forbes. They have links to their articles, Credibility Booster there. Then they have podcast links to their podcast, like a content-rich thank you page that says, we're legit, and here's some free resources that are going to help you in your journey in enhancing trust, obviously enhancing the show rates. They're going to be getting a triage call anyway. So that certainly did help. And then last but not least, there's a Facebook group that they have for these people. So join our free Facebook group. So all mm. kinds of resources on that final page, just because they booked a call, your job isn't done. You still have to make sure they show up and also prep them in the final stages of that customer acquisition path to ultimately take the final step, which is to fork over the credit card and pay for the service. So all these factors into one, we started to see some pretty darn good results. With the funnel, the second funnel, we noticed that our cost per book call was decreasing. It was going down to about $145, which was a huge improvement. Their booked calls basically doubled by 200%, and their revenue started to increase as well. So we started to see some pretty good things happening here, which were precursors for, for ultimately the big success. One of the things that I do want to mention here is that we had ads that were resonating, but we also then went back to the top of funnel and said, okay, how can we enhance their ads even more? And this is after we've already gotten the success. And this is what's now helping them to scale to that next level. Maybe we'll do a case study follow-up on these guys in a couple of months, is that we started using those testimonial mashup videos. And the testimonial mashup videos are, in essence, just introducing the problem to start. Same ad copy as we were using before that resonates with how they're thinking and how they're feeling. And then it goes immediately into testimonials. And not the entire testimonial, just the juiciest 
30 seconds, 20 seconds. And this is really important. We were talking earlier about the importance of testimonials. You don't use the entire testimonial. You pull out the best parts. You have a good video editor. I'm sure Ian Ian and his team did a really good job for your guys' stuff. Pull out the best parts and then use that as a mashup. And in this particular case, it was about five or six different individuals talking about their journey, their struggle, all the things that are reinforced in the messaging that we have in the ad copy, and then the solution. As soon as I hired this company and got their coaching, I landed my dream job. And now I'm at XYZ Corporation. I hope to be here for the next 20 years. Like that kind of stuff, like transformational stories inside a testimonial mashup. So alongside some B-roll, we've got some big benefits. We help directors, VPs, and executives land jobs they love, like aslets and overlay over like when people are talking about their service. And then at the end, this is sort of a call to action, which is book your call today, click the link above and schedule your call with our professionals. So that video ad, that testimonial mashup video is still running to this day and continues to sustain the business and getting it to the level where we've now doubled their revenue. We're looking to triple their revenue and quadruple their revenue and continue to scale up their sales team, really. So that's that next step. And that's a great feeling when you can max out the capacity of the business so they have to hire more people. And that's, in essence, what happened with these guys. And they're really doing a great job helping executives and VPs land their dream job. And we were certainly a part of that. But all those things together, Kasim, was really what made the case study work. And it wasn't just one thing. There was 100 other things that didn't work. But this four or five different pieces came together to really allow this company to get to the next level. I love that, man. I love it when you outrun a client, too. There's always a kind of a point of pride. And we're like, stop, we can't take any more leads. Yeah, seriously. It's, uh, we actually met with a customer in D.C. and they said that we actually had to turn people away for this one event that they do every single year. And as a result of that, they've now gotten a bigger event space. Well, that's so, so cool. So that's really impactful. That's a lot of fun when that sort of stuff happens. So yeah, so that's, uh, that's this week's case study. We refer to the framework that we used in this whole thing as the customer, customer acquisition amplification or it's a, it's a template that we use, which layers in the creative lab, which we talked about, the deep dive research, traffic harmonizer, as well as conversion architecture. Maybe we'll leave a link in the show notes to, to get people to download that graphic, Kasim, because it's really, it's a framework that our entire team uses as a guidepost to which part of it we'll deploy with different customers. And it has some tips and tricks in there that remind people of a lot of the marketing basics that we covered in today's case study. Yeah. And dude, I don't know that I'd call them basics, to be honest with you. I think you dropped some pretty advanced pearls here. So this was awesome. Yeah. So we will leave links in the show notes as well. And if you want to grab a copy of the customer acquisition amplification super system, we will leave links for that as well. Kasim, you're going to be next up on the next case study. Can't wait for that. I've been doing the all the talking here today. Ralph, I can't follow this. No, I've seen some of your uh, some of your case studies. They're pretty good, so can't wait for that one. Thank you for listening, and make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. Let us know what we can do better. Head on over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active, although I'm getting more and more active on Twitter. And Kasim, I know you're pretty active over on Twitter, at Kasim Aslam. Go back and listen to previous episodes. And uh, like I said, all resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Muslim, 
Peace. Until next show, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes.